A few years ago, I heard a sponsor ad. Yes, you heard that right. A sponsor ad during Adam Grant's TED podcast called Work Life. The ad shared a true story of Kelsey Nash, a customer care ninja who at the time worked at the men's apparel company Bonobos. Kelsey received an email from a customer named Derek who had one of his favorite shirts damaged in a house fire. Since Bonobos no longer sold the shirt, Derek was asking if there was a way it could be repaired or replaced. Kelsey contacted Derek immediately and said, I'm so sorry, is everybody all right? Derek shared that everyone was fine except their 15-year-old dog who had been trapped in the house and didn't make it. Kelsey got online found a picture of the dog on Derek's Instagram account. He commissioned a portrait of the dog and included it with some new flannel shirts in the package he sent Derek. Derek later said, I'm not an emotional guy, but it was still fresh. I definitely cried when I saw that painting. Derek hung that painting right above his desk and it's the first thing he sees when he enters the room. I'm resharing that story because it continues the theme of this podcast, but it takes us in a new direction, and that direction is the focus of this episode. Welcome to Generosity at Work, a podcast that explores the ways generosity is at work in our workplaces and how it's at work in the world. I'm Keith Jennings, a community impact executive with Jackson Healthcare. In the last episode, we learned to see ourselves, our work, and our business within a more expansive, others-first narrative. I ended that episode with a question I hope challenged you. What bigger narrative are you and your business serving? When we ask that question, it opens us up to a much broader, more holistic view of generosity. In this episode, we're going to learn to think about generosity through a stakeholder lens with special emphasis on employees. We hope you stick around, but more importantly, we hope you end this episode with a commitment to generously serve everyone you and your business touch. I love that story of Kelsey and Derek. I believe it challenges the limits we tend to put on generosity. Sure, generosity is about how you and I and our business can serve and support the needs in our local communities. But it's also about how we serve our customers, clients, employees, vendors, investors, and everyone we touch. Back in 2017, I joined a group of academics, entrepreneurs, authors, and business leaders in Panama's rainforest for a multi-day exploration of biomimicry and innovation. At that time, I was a corporate marketing executive with a personal interest in social responsiveness and how companies like Patagonia and The Body Shop had redefined the roles and rules of business. But that was the very limited extent of my awareness. It certainly wasn't on my mind in Panama. One of the folks I met there was Raj Sisodia, a professor and author who I learned was a founding member of the Conscious Capitalism Movement and co-author of the best-selling book, Conscious Capitalism, with Whole Foods co-founder John Mackey. When I returned home, I started doing more reading about this, including Raj and John's book. By the end of that year, through an act of serendipity or divine providence, 
I made the decision to leave a two-decade career in marketing to lead the community impact efforts for my organization. I entered the world of corporate social responsibility as an ignorant outsider. And in all honesty, I'm still quite ignorant. Uh, The more I've learned, the more I've become aware of how little I know. But I'm intensely curious. So with a beginner's mind, I started studying the history, philosophies, and movements that have led many organizations to value and pursue a deeper, holistic expression of corporate generosity. To understand where we are today, it's helpful to know where we've come from. At the dawn of the 1970s, two sonic booms created shockwaves we continue to feel today. It's interesting to note that these two movements are at odds with one another. The first sonic boom happened on September 13, 1970, when American economist Milton Friedman published a New York Times article making the case that the social responsibility of business is to increase profits. This launched a movement that's become known as shareholder theory, and it's been a dominant business philosophy ever since. Shareholder theory promotes the idea that businesses have a legal and economic obligation to maximize the profits and returns for the owners and investors in the business. This means a business's self-interest should always come before the interests and needs of its employees, partners, or any social concerns. The second sonic boom occurred nine months later on June 1st, 1971, when the Committee for Economic Development published a report that introduced what became known as the social contract between businesses and society. This committee is the public policy center of the Conference Board, which is a nonprofit, nonpartisan, business-led organization that provides analysis and solutions of topics in the nation's interest. The social contract argues that businesses exist and operate through public consent. Therefore, businesses have an obligation to contribute to society's needs. What many business professionals don't know is that conversations and thinking about social responsibility of businesses actually originated in the Industrial Revolution as public concerns over work conditions, the employment of women and children, growing poverty, and labor unrest began to surface. The term corporate social responsibility, commonly referred to as CSR, was coined in a 1953 book by American economist Howard Bowen. Some believe shareholder theory drove the corporate greed and hostile takeover environment of the 1980s. Remember that famous line in the film Wall Street when the character Gordon Gecko says greed is good? Well, some say that was the inevitable result of valuing shareholders above all other stakeholders. In the 1990s, CSR adoption took off as businesses and the public began to actively respond to those aggressive and volatile business practices. As we entered the new millennium, CSR had become an essential business strategy, and with that shift of movement toward what's become known as stakeholder theory has emerged as a business philosophy challenging shareholder theory. 
Stakeholder theory promotes the idea that businesses have a moral responsibility to serve the interests of all stakeholders. A stakeholder is defined as individuals or groups who affect or are affected by the business. These could be employees, vendors, partners, owners, investors, and the local communities in which they operate. The goal of stakeholder theory is to create value while balancing all stakeholders' needs. That's the big idea driving Raj Sisodia and John Mackey's vision of conscious capitalism. It's why our organization joined other businesses in this movement as a sponsor and member. So that's a brief history of where we've come from and where we are today. So let's look at one of the key stakeholders in today's economy, employees. What do employees value when it comes to generosity at work? We'll dive into this after a quick break. This program is made possible by Jackson Healthcare, a family of highly specialized staffing, search, and technology companies. Headquartered in Metro Atlanta, we're powered by more than 2,600 associates and over 20,000 clinician providers covering all 50 U.S. states. Recognized year after year as a great place to work, our mission is to improve the delivery of patient care and the lives of everyone we touch. We're always looking for bright professionals who have a drive to serve others, grow professionally, and do the wise thing. That's you. Check us out at jacksonhealthcare.com. The purpose of this podcast is to challenge you and I as business professionals to broaden our view of generosity at work. Generosity isn't simply giving back, it's not just philanthropy, and it's not limited to how organizations impact their local communities. In today's economy, where talent is a top driver of business value, we need to make sure our generosity efforts include all stakeholders, starting with our employees. Each year, Go Beyond Profit and Georgia CEO have partnered to conduct a survey of Georgia employees and senior business leaders, and they publish their findings in an annual generosity report. This year's report did not disappoint. I want to share some of the findings with you. And now, this is a Georgia-specific survey, but I think it might be representative of employees elsewhere in the U.S., I reached out to my colleague, Sherry Sorrell, who serves as Senior Director of Business Intelligence and Analytics at Jackson Healthcare. Sherry analyzed the data in this report, and they found that there are three primary ways employees believe companies demonstrate generosity to them. The first is through pay equity. Here's Sherry. We asked what was important for both internal generosity and external generosity, right? We talked a little bit about how generosity begins at home. And employees were more focused inward in our last survey than they were outward because they had a lot of concerns coming out of the pandemic. We've talked about how mental health is a big issue. So really, a lot of them were looking inward. And the number one thing that we heard that they want as an expression of generosity is pay equity. But it's not pay equity like you would think it's pay equity. We did a little bit of a a survey on the back end to kind of dig into this a little bit. And we found that it's loyal employees that were concerned about pay equity because during the great resignation, new employees that were coming in in order to get them in the door were making a lot more money 
than those loyal employees were. And you know, if there's a disparity, people are going to hear about it. And they did. So it wasn't a male-female pay equity issue like you normally think about when you hear pay equity. It was a loyal employee versus employees that came in during the great resignation issue. The second way companies demonstrate generosity to employees is through flexible work schedules. And again, that is something that you wouldn't ordinarily think of, right? As if everything in this survey had a little bit of a twist on it, which is kind of interesting. You think of flexible work schedules is, okay, if I came in at 6.30, then I leave at 3, right? Um, or I can work from home some days. But I think what employees really value from their employers is the flexibility to take care of things that they have to take care of in their own lives without having to take PTO. So for example, if the school called in the middle of your workday and said, hey, Keith, one of your kids is sick. We need you to come pick that child up. It's the employer giving you the flexibility to say, yes, go take care of your child and finish your day up when you have the chance from home. So it's that flexibility to take care of the other important things in your life without having to take PTO to do so. And, you know, just knowing that your employer is compassionate enough that they will allow you to do that, I think can also mitigate that desire that, well, I think I should have to work from home. You know, it's employers want their employees to be in the office now. That's important, right, to maintain culture. And we've seen a lot of the big companies in the country saying, no, you need to come back to work. But if employees know that they have the flexibility to take care of other things that are important to them on company time, if need be, to them, that equates to flexibility. The third way companies demonstrate generosity to employees is through mental health support. Coming out of the pandemic, mental health was a big issue. It's still a big issue. And in this survey, we explored mental health a little bit deeper to talk about burnout, right? And a lot of people said that they rated their mental health overall as pretty good. But when they said, how is your mental health having an effect on your job? Job stress is a thing. And people are feeling that job stress. Um, mental health support in the workplace is very important to mitigate some of that job stress, especially with the great resignation. We asked our loyal employees again, our loyal employees, to take on more of the workload when people left. And they've been carrying a pretty heavy burden. And a lot of them are burned out. So how do we address that burnout? And because, you know, if employees are burned out, they're not engaged and they're not doing their best work. Pay equity, flexible work schedules, and mental health support. That's at least how employees in Georgia perceive their employer's generosity. But what about how employees view their employer's generosity outside the organization, specifically in local communities? We had some very interesting results there, right? As, as far as demonstrations of generosity to the community by employers. Number one was financial contributions, right? And num tied for number two were matching gifts and sustainability. And 
That was a very interesting thing because um, that sustainability, there was a real gap between the number of senior leaders that said they provided that and the number of employees that said they wanted that. The lesson in this episode should be obvious by now. Generosity at work is holistic. It includes all stakeholders affecting your business and affected by your business. We have a question we ask at Jackson Healthcare, and I want to I pose that question to you. Think about what's happening with you and your business right now. Think about the key projects you're investing in, the core challenges and obstacles you're facing, the opportunities and threats that lie before you. You know, we continually face tough, complex decisions in our work as well as in our lives. Should we take the job and move our family or should we stay where we are? Should we enforce the terms of the contract or prioritize the relationship with the client? Should we take a hit in the short term in order to serve the long term or should we focus on the short term and let the long term take care of itself? When you face these kinds of decisions, imagine yourself five years from now looking back on the decision you're about to make and ask yourself this question, what will I be most glad I did? That's the wisdom question we ask ourselves. Because whether or not each decision turns out to be the quote right one or not, we can at least know we made it for the right reasons. When you look back on this time in your career and business, I believe you will be glad you chose to be more generous with everyone you touch and serve. The best time is now to foster a culture of generosity within your team and organization. Like Kelsey at Bonobos, you can go above and beyond for your employees, customers, partners, providers, and investors, and still grow your business. It's more likely a generous focus on all of your stakeholders will ensure growth. But how? How can you know where to focus and where to invest and where to activate generosity? None of us have unlimited resources, right? Well, in episode five, we will look at a strategic framework that can help you get started. Until then, be more holistic with your generosity efforts. Generosity at Work is produced by Jackson Healthcare's Love Lifts Community Impact Platform. This is a free resource for professionals seeking to go beyond profit and be a force for good in their communities. Learn more about Jackson Healthcare and its community impact work at jacksonhealthcare.com.